0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Lockdown Indians, brought to you by rockauto.com. Great prices, huge selection, the only place you ever need for your car. Go check it out for yourself. My name is Jeff Ellis. I host Lockdown Indians, approaching 500 episodes of hosting this show. Before I was the host here, I was the host of, well, I wasn't the host of, but I was in charge of the MLB draft and prospect side of 24-7 sports before they uh, got rid of baseball and at Scout before 24-7 sports bought them. Before that, I did a lot of writing over at Indians Baseball Insider all the way back to their Indians Prospect Insider days and then had stuff appear on most of the uh, Cleveland sports blogs through the years in some form or another. If you've uh, gone and read someplace that has Indians coverage, I probably at some point had at least uh, a draft article appear there. Before we get into the show today, uh, I am well, well overdue on some thank yous when it comes to the Locked On Indians podcast and leaving reviews for the Locked On Indians podcast. We are a small podcast and growing. I always talk about uh, we want to move into the top 10 on network because that's where the Tigers sit and you always want to knock out the Tigers, right? That's a rival. So just real quickly, want to go through and give some thank yous to people. Astros Rock 75, I believe that's the Locked On Astros, guys. Thank you. Uh, we have 333 and 513, thank you. Medina Tony, Tony P, thank you. I am Bo Leap87, thank you. Rad Inlight, thank you. Boltog, thank you. Bob A, thank you. The of Brownstown, thank you. Sarah P0614, thank you. Jim Tomey600, thank you. SW Baylor, thank you. Eves, thank you. And Mike... Mike talked about how I have problems with pronunciation. It's something I talk about on the show. I just don't have the ability to put sounds together well. I think it's like the uh, the ADD dyslexic thing. I never quite learned those blending things. Uh, and even now as I work with students to teach them those just skills, it's interesting because I still don't have them very strongly, but Mike talks about pronunciation issues, but how it's, you know, it, I acknowledge my issue and I try to improve it. so of course, then Mike gives me a name that I'm gonna mispronounce. So Mike Jakobics, thank you. And, you know, now that I've done the thank yous and remind everyone, rating and reviewing helps our show a bunch. Let's get into, you know, it's a three, three part format for these shows. we about the game today. Very weird game. Very weird loss. I've never recalled seeing a game end that way. Uh, go into my general feel on that one. Preview the rest of this series. And then third part of the show, I think this is kind of going to be a really fun one. I've been going through and doing kind of this historical retroactive looking piece on the Cleveland Indians drafts by a round and you go through and there's sometimes guys I just can't find anything on those picks in the 60s. Sometimes there's nothing. The eighth round has been really bad. Let's just put that out on front street. That's where we're going uh, on the third part of the show today. And you might be like, why are you going to talk about if it's bad? I mean, there's been some players. uh, It's the second worst round for production. Uh, the 10th round. Ooh, that's, let's put it this way. When we get to the 10th round, Robert Broom, if he makes the Indians this year legitimately could end up being the greatest 10th round pick in franchise history. It is a, a round of failure. That's just the nicest way to put it. But the eighth round is absolutely fascinating. Maybe the most interesting. You have a guy who went on to get his number retired at Bowling Green for football. Uh, you have a, a player who retired in the middle of his college career. You have, a guy who was a huge left-handed pitcher at a 2.3 ERA and that's it one season pitching. And then I couldn't find like release date. I couldn't find any more information. How do you, how would you go from being a huge left-handed pitcher who's dominant to just gone, like (laughs) completely gone, a lot of fascinating players, a lot of interesting games to talk about, not the most successful round. And then again, with the Indians, a lot of these rounds really aren't that successful compared to most teams. And that has been some of their, struggles over the past you know fifty years of the draft. Let's be honest. It's not a recent issue. It's been a consistent issue for them. But there are some great stories there. So you're definitely going to stick around for the third part of the show when we dive into some of those fun draft anecdote anecdotes and stories that I was able to go through and dig out. So let's talk about this one. Uh, the Indians lose. I don't have a problem with, with Yu Chen Chang going for the double play. You got a run around first and second get the double play, get out of the inning. Grandel is running a little wide. It's a freak moment. It shouldn't happen. It's annoying. It stinks, but they shouldn't even be there. Like, <laughs> it, you know, it's a, they shouldn't be in that inning. They should not be in extra innings. Uh, this was a game that uh, I predicted the Indians would win, but I predicted it when I thought it was Rondon against Keiko. Rondone has now been pushed to the Thursday to Wednesday game. So instead, now I, I talked about Keiko as a guy who's starting to show his age. I thought they could get to him a little bit more than they did if I'm being honest and you go, that sixth inning is just, you know, another crazy moment as both teams loaded the bases with no outs and one total run was scored between them for the Indians. You get the bases loaded and you want, you've got the heart of your lineup coming up. And one of those guys is already homered once in the game, you go strike out, sack fly. So at least I get something ground out. I want to say, uh, it, that's just an annoying stretch. I mean, there's no other way around it. You need a little bit more out of those hitters. You need more rough. Jose Ramirez has been great all year. A rough game for him with the two strikeouts, the ground into a double play, not his top performance. Tristan McKenzie four innings, four, uh, four innings, four innings four base runners. Unfortunately, he goes walk, walk, home run. Uh, that's not what you want to see. The third inning was a disaster for him. There's no other way around it. He just walk, walk home run. It just, you can't do that. I all self-inflicted. Uh, he only goes four. I don't think he's going to go more than four for a very long time. He's probably got that about 120 inning max this year. Uh, I said we'd probably see Quantrell, Quantrell and Maiton both had their second appearances of the year. Quantrell worked out of that bases loaded jam. Uh, Maiton looked great. Class A hit walk. And then what happened for the, uh, the final out there again, unfortunate for him to pick up the loss in that situation. Offensively, they just didn't do it in this one. Uh, who reached base twice in this game? It's Chang and it's Rosario. I've been kind of doing this whole like three stars thing where I just point out like, who are the three Indians? I know I'm stealing it from hockey and it's typically both teams, but like who are the three stars for the Indians in this one? Who are the Indians? Three best performers. Uh, well, Rosario is, is easily one with the home run. And then part of me like Quantrell for getting out of the mess. And then part of me is like, well, I guess Mayton cause at least it was a clean inning, uh, three runs and four innings isn't great for McKenzie. The lineup. There wasn't a whole bunch of great performances and like an underrated aspect of this game. And I laugh about it because how ridiculous this game was. Like talked about the getting, you know, Grandau getting hit in the head. We talk about the bases loaded with no outs and nothing to show for it. How about in the ninth inning when you have a runner in second base and Josh Naylor and Roberto Perez gets two extra pitches? Like he was out. Like they caught the ball. He dropped it on the transfer. I still don't quite understand exactly how they that, like maybe they can't challenge it or something along those lines. But for whatever reason why that was allowed to occur, uh, he should have been out, foul ball, and then he foul tips it again. He got two extra pitches. And with those two extra pitches, he ends up with the same net outcome uh, foul tip, catcher catch, strike three. Unfortunate loss. White Sox are, you know, the team to beat in this division. And when I go back and I look at this, like one more moment of like harping on this box score, Nick Williams, they're like fourth outfielder, did significant damage in this one. Like he was one of the guys on base. He walked in the, in extras. Uh, You gotta beat the, you know, you can't let the weak parts of a lineup beat you. That's not, that, that just more, if I am as a fan, that is what annoys me is when it's the, the weak parts, when it's the part of the lineup that this should be the easy guys, uh, just go after Nick Williams, you know, Emmanuel Klasse, just throw it, dare him to hit something hard because he hasn't shown the ability to do that throughout his career. Go after Nick Williams. Nick Williams ends up with the winning run in this one. You know, they're, uh, other walks were what Daniel Mendick, who uh again is their ninth hitter, like go after these guys, be a little bit more aggressive in those situations. Uh Evan Marshall, you know, he gets the blown save, uh, even though he worked his way out of a disaster inning. That's kind of the humor of the whole idea of the blown save. I mean, the Chicago pen's tough. And I talked about that also on yesterday's show. This is a very tough pen you need to get to their starters and, you know, we'll talk about the rest of the starters and their matchup and the next part, but the Indians really, they're going to have to get to some guys early. It's going to be very hard tomorrow, but we'll get to that in a second. First let's take a moment here and talk about one of the fantastic sponsors that helps keep this show going. Sorry, I had a closure of my website here. So I uh, have an even bigger, I should have known. Of course it is rockauto.com is our first sponsor. Uh, Rock Auto is a family owned business. They have one store and one central location with all their pieces in it. And because they have a central location, they keep that overhead low. They pass the savings on to the consumer and the thing i always talk about is i don't know cars that is not me that is not my skill set uh i i've changed some tires that's about as uh, car based as i can get but it's an easy to navigate site and i think it is a great tool to make sure that when you do need to get something fixed on your car when there is something wrong with your car you are going to be able to pull out rockauto.com and make sure that you are getting a good deal you're going to make sure that whoever is fixing your car is not We've all had that bad mechanic experience. Rock Auto can help you prevent that bad mechanic experience. And if someone's trying to take advantage of you, Rock Auto is going to let you know. And you know not to go there and to go somewhere else. Maybe you can go to a place where they'll let you buy a piece and bring it in for your car. And remember, when you go to rockauto.com, in the little How'd You Hear About Us box, locked on Indians, locked on MLB, just some form of locked on, that lets them know because their advertising dollars are well spent. Remember, that is rockauto.com in the how'd you hear about us box locked on. Do I have to tell you any more about locked on today with Peter Bukowski? If you want breaking news, if you want to hear about the, uh, all the trade deadline for hockey, if you want to hear what the blue jackets did by adding a pair of firsts, go check out locked on today. I'm sure they are going to be hockey heavy tomorrow. So let's talk about these next few games. Now I predicted the Indians would win Monday. Again, the pitching matchup did change, uh, but I said it'd be a very close affair and it went to extra innings. So I feel like I was close to being right in that one, even if I ended up not being hundred percent, right? Sorry for the background noise, uh, as one can probably see by the shadow. Uh, I have someone trying to join the podcast, pardon me for a second, but those listening at home as a cat, uh, but yes. So the rest of this uh series just to quickly Shane Bieber versus Lucas Giolito that's the Tuesday matchup that's the game to watch that should be a really good one I do think the White Sox have the advantage overall because it is such a high level pitching matchup uh, that you're I, I lean towards the team that has the better offense and that's going to be uh the White Sox now when I know I've been going through with pitchers and kind of looking at their splits data and talking about like well you know, is there a situation where this player is significantly worse versus righties or lefties? The one big problem you run into with Giolito is he was really bad. Like, I think it sometimes gets forgotten that his first, what, two years in Chicago were not great. And his first year in where he's given a chance back in 2016 is when he had his debut with, uh, Washington was not good. Or I'm sorry, 2017 was that debut. And he has, I mean, 2019, he just turned into another pitcher and he became one of the best pitchers in baseball. So it's really interesting to look at his 2019 data because his bat pips are ridiculous. His versus lefty bat pip is so low that it is, you know, it's like 80 points below average versus righties. It's like 30, uh, almost like 40 points above average. So both of those, I mean, his data is pretty even. He does strike out righties more and he walks righties a little bit more. But again, very weird data. And when you go to 2020, which is always not the best because it's such a small amount, I don't even know if it's worth, you know, calling a relevant piece of data. The one thing that makes me more tempted is he has more of an even bat pip uh, against lefties and righties. And what you do see is last year against lefties, he walked a lot more of them, uh, nearly one and a half more per nine innings. Now his strikeout rate versus lefties was actually higher than against righties. So that's odd. Uh, his FIP was better overall against uh, righties and lefties. Those XFIP was better, which home run rate is the difference. And that's why I don't like XFIP. I think that home run rate should not be normalized because there are pitchers who are just more prone to home runs. So with Giolito, I mean, you want to get any advantage you can conceivably get. So uh Adding more lefties to your lineup is going to be something the Indians should definitely consider. It's going to be a rough matchup. It's going to be a fun game to watch. Um, but again, that's the one that I thought was going to be the hardest one for the Indians. That uh, Wednesday, no, uh, yeah, the Wednesday matchup is now Act versus Rondon. That should be the easiest. That should be the one that they should feel very strongly about. And Thursday, Lynn versus Savali. Savali has pitched very well. Nearly going. Lynn is another odd one because almost about the same time that Lucas Giolito broke out, he broke out. Both those guys. Now, Lynn had been a solid pitcher for a lot of years. He actually had what he signed with the Twins, I want to say, was the team that signed him as a free agent. And then they ended up shipping him out of town to Texas, and then he broke out in Texas. And, you know, we talked about all this on Monday's show, so I'm not going to go too in depth here. But uh, it is interesting. You think about the both Lynn and Giolito kind of had same time breakouts. You, I I mean, I'm going to favor the White Sox in that one as well. Right now, this isn't to say the Indians can't win this series. These are all, in my mind, pretty close matchups. But I think on the whole right now, uh, you don't feel great about the Indians' chances of uh, winning the series. Chance for maybe a split. I don't feel great about their chances for winning this whole series especially when you're letting those guys at the bottom of the lineup hurt you. I, you know, I am harping on that, but this was a white Sox team that did not have its best lineup out there. Uh, they had, you know, Mendick is at shortstop because Tim Anderson is out. They did not have, um, Nick Madrigal to not start at second. Nick Williams is about their eighth outfielder. You just, I would have liked to, this is the time where you want to beat this team. The white Sox are beat up. You want to beat them while they're beat up. I mean, Danny Mendick last Thursday was in the alternate site for them. Yeah, you know, he's not been like a, it's not high end prospect type of guy. Take advantage of a team that's hurt, that is ailing a bit, and get those wins now. That's only going to help you later. Uh, it is unfortunate. I mean, the White Sox were four and five heading into this one, so we'll see what can happen in the rest of the series and. Again, I mean, the White Sox are beat up. It does give the Indians that opportunity in the early going to put some games between them and uh, the Chicago White Sox, who are the favorites to win this division in the early going. Before we jump in and talk about my eighth round, spectacular and just a really interesting round in general. I'm going to take another quick break here and talk about some of the fantastic sponsors that uh, help keep the show going. And one of those is betonline.ag. And let's go check out the line for tomorrow's game. I think that's always a, a great way to talk about our fantastic sponsor, BetOnline. So if we go sports, go over to betonline.ag. And I want to click on, well, you know what? <laughs> I go here enough, that's auto generating the baseball stuff for me. So Cleveland Indians. Uh, Shane Bieber versus Chicago White Sox, Lucas Giolito. Giolito is getting a run and a half in this one. They're at negative 170. Over under is seven runs. Now that's one of the lowest over unders in terms of runs I've seen all year over on bet online. Uh, normally they're about seven to eight and a half for every game. There is a niner in the Detroit versus Houston Astros matchup. Not much faith in that pitching uh, and trusting nine in the Yankees, James Tyon and, uh, Ryu for the Blue Jays but yeah the Indians like yeah I'm not always the most knowledgeable gambling person but from just looking at the teams I would expect to be you know favorites it seems to be that when you get a run that you are not the favorite so they're actually favoring the Indians tomorrow so go to betonline.ag I think the White Shocks should be favored. They're favoring the Indians. If I was someone who had more confidence, I would go to Bet Online. I would use the promo code Locked On to get a fifty percent bonus on my first deposit. That's right, five zero, biggest bonus we've had from any sponsor all in the nearly five hundred episodes of this show I have done. BetOnline.ag, ag promo code Locked On. You're gonna want to enter that to get that fifty percent bonus. And maybe uh, I'm not saying to bet against the Indians. But I'm just saying there might be situations where one can benefit, even if it ends up being a negative situation for your team. Uh, Always look for ways to turn a negative into a positive. And you can do that with betonline.ag, promo code locked on. So I almost just closed out the video. That would have been a disaster. But let's talk about the eighth round. So the eighth round, I'm trying to remember some of the data that I was telling you. I think I forgot to say this at the start. I think maybe the most interesting thing in the eighth round is the eighth round has the single highest bonus of any player taken after the first three rounds and the third highest bonus of any player who was not taken in rounds one or two. Uh, that's a pretty high bonus. And that is, and it's also the last time that uh, they really invested highly in an Ohio prospect was with that signing. And that was Alex Levisky, who was out of St. Ed's. His teammate uh, Stetson Alley is still trying to I think he's trying to make it back now as a pitcher. Uh, the talk was that the Indians really liked uh, Stetson Alley and that uh, 2010 draft and that they would have considered him in the second round at the time. And then he ends up getting a massive signing bonus at uh, Pittsburgh and bounces kind of like back and forth between uh starter and you know, like first base dh I want to say let's see so Ali ends up going yeah the Pirates for 2.25 million that year out of St. Ads. The Indians uh, he was the second pick in the second round 52nd overall the Indians were picking 55th overall in the second round. They took Levon Washington former first round pick one of those many second round picks that just did not work out so, yeah, Stetson Alley was, he's been pitching again. So, yeah, I, th- I want to say I read a story about him in camp. Uh, has not given up the dream yet. Has not, I don't think he's yet to make it to the big leagues. But his teammate, Alex Lavisky, uh his last season was in 2016. He was kind of, the, the big tool there was power. Twice hit double digits in home runs in over seven seasons. Managed 35 total. Highest OPS ever was a seven eighteen. It just wasn't there. A bat first catcher who didn't hit enough, uh, unfortunately, for the Indians. Uh, and that was like so that was the end of them drafting local talent. Like there was this whole almost feeling for me that that was. Since then, we have not seen them uh, really pursue anyone. Uh, if you're curious, I was looking at this. Uh, St. Ed's is yet to put someone in the big leagues. They have had four players get bonuses over $400,000 since 2007. So good on that program. Uh, Mac Wainwright last year to uh, Cincinnati Reds is their next best opportunity. But yeah, the Indians, uh, the eighth round disaster as it has been. Uh, Levisky was a big money guy for them. And then the next biggest money was, uh, Micah Menard, who is, was huge. He's listed at six, seven. I want to say he was six foot eight, uh, age 25 today, as I'm recording this, uh, last pitch in 2018 for the Indians, those big guys, the mechanics are just so hard. I've often said I'd rather have a guy who's like five eleven than a guy who's six foot seven. Uh, mechanics are so easy to get out of whack. Now his signing bonus, I want to say was something like 380,000 wasn't quite the million the Levisky got, but it still doesn't change anything that those two are significantly higher than anyone else in this round. And, uh, for, you know, they don't, there's nothing to show for it. So let's talk about some of the interesting names before we get to the worst pick, Paul miles. Normally when I go and I look up someone from 1970 who was drafted, especially when it's a kid from Ohio high school, I can't find anything. Now, if you're a Bowling Green fan, that name might be familiar. It is that same Paul Miles from Paulding high school who would rush for a thousand yards, uh, three times. And at the time he did that was like one of only three running backs to have three 1000 yard seasons in college, got drafted, uh, played some football for a bit, even went over up to Canada when I was looking into it, became a jazz musician in Detroit, really interesting life story there. But uh, I was kind of shocked to be able to get some more information, but the Indians must've taken him just due to his athleticism. I'm sure he's a baseball player as well, but the, I'm sure the big drive uh, was just, I mean, obviously the guy was a top shelf athlete uh, w- with all he did in college and then going on to play. Uh, Greg Fowble was interesting in the regard that they drafted him in the eighth round in 86. He goes to Arizona and they drafted him in the 49th round of 1988. Uh, he was draft eligible sophomore at that point in time. He comes back, plays his junior year, does not get drafted and then just retires, decides not to play anymore. He wanted to transfer out of, he goes to Arizona. He's like the star shortstop prospect for them. Uh, has 30 plus errors. They move him to second base and in an article I found, he found out he was moving to second base when he came to camp, went to line up at shortstop and they go, no, you're playing second. He had 330 that year uh, and that's the year the Indians tried to draft him again. And then he, uh, you know, he declined that and wanted to transfer to Long Beach state of all places. Well, not of all places, just wanted to transfer there because he needed a change. That's more what I should say. because his junior year, after he came back, after not signing with the Indians, uh, they moved him again to left field. So this poor guy could not catch a break and just decided he was done with baseball. He was tired of Arizona jerking him around. And just the interesting story of a player who was an eighth round pick and a 49th round pick and then just gave up baseball. that The University of Arizona killed his interest in the sport. Uh, Johnny Wheeler was a name that came up who was interesting to me taken in the 1997 draft in the eighth round. He had been taken in the 1996 draft. I'm laughing because he was taken in the 70th round. You don't see a lot of those guys. Uh, 70th round goes to Juco. Indians take him in the eighth round. There was a time where you could just keep drafting the draft didn't end till all teams passed. And the Astros went to the 70th round, which again is just mind boggling in 1996. Uh, he shows up, goes to Burlington Gets six games, 13 innings. The numbers aren't bad, but that's it. No more. I couldn't find any more information on Johnny Wheeler. And then even more crazy to me, speaking of guys who just disappear, Chris Coulter, 50th round by the Kansas city Royals in 89, goes to Pensacola junior college. Indians draft him in 91 uh, out of Pensacola, six foot five left-hander. And I kind of talked about him at the start of the show. That 1991 season, after he pitches at the JUCO level goes to Burlington. That's rookie league, but still 12 games, seven games started 62 innings, seven strikeouts per nine, 2.6 walks per nine, 2.3 ERA. That's right. 2.3. And that's it. A six foot five lefty who was dominant. And I couldn't find out why he stopped pitching. What was going on? What occurred? That was just the, did the Indians let him go? Not a whole lot of information, but In terms of the guys where I wish I could find more information, it's Chris Coulter here. It's just fascinating to me. You could be that good. And for whatever reason, that's the end of the career. It's just one great season and nothing beyond that. So the worst picks. I have one player who didn't play much and then one player who couldn't stay healthy. Eric Porter in 1978, uh, he was... Oh, well, it's very odd set of events. Okay. Because the Indians take him in the 1978 draft and I'll get to why I got thrown off. Cause I was realizing as I read this, the Mets take him in the 1980 draft, uh, in the January draft, regular phase, but in 81, he appears with the twins, not drafted by them, but signs with the twins. And I was going to call him the worst pick because he only played two seasons and appeared in just 32 games, 121 plate appearances. So if you're looking for someone who was drafted in the eighth round, just didn't have much of a career, and the data that's there is not great, it's probably Eric Porter, catcher's last first baseman in uh, 1978 to the Cleveland Indians. The other choice, and also because this is a player who signed for a relatively large amount of money uh, relative to some of the other eighth round picks, and he is the, I, I feel almost bad, uh, with this one because it, it's injury is the reason it was 125,000. It's not a ton, but it's Andrew Landtrip. Now Landtrip was part of that 2016 group with Savali, Bieber, and Plesak. And he was in that group. He was at Houston the university of Houston. They had a really nice run for a while there with pitchers. And the big thing with all their pitching was these were guys who really controlled the walk rates. They had some of the best, the least amounts of walks in all of college baseball So Landtrip was the the most recent guy out of there. You go 1.87 ERA, 262, 2.6, over three seasons, uh, 45 starts, 113 innings, 90 innings, walk rate, 1.5, 1.7, 0.5. Like he fit right in with the rest of the class that they drafted that year. Unfortunately for him, he gets drafted in 2016. Now he probably wouldn't have pitched much that year Struggles to stay healthy. Misses all of 2017. 2018, he comes in and gets nine in 10 innings, and that is his entire minor league career. He ends up retiring because he has another shoulder injury. But here's a guy that they paid 125000 for because he was worth it. Like, honestly, he was just couldn't get healthy. He had uh, some injury issues. This wasn't a guy who wasn't willing to work. It was just repeated injuries. And it's unfortunate. Like I'm not saying this as a way to disparage Andrew Landtrip. I think he had the potential to be a back end starter, but for that chunk of money that they got 10 innings total, it's unfortunate for him uh, more than it is the Indians, but it, it does stand out as the worst pick in team history. Cause again, 10 total innings from a player. They, you know, they believed in he's still only 25 years of age, still a young, uh, person out there, and I would love to see him. Yeah, it's it's unfortunate you don't see it a lot anymore, and it doesn't get talked about. But it still, can occur. Like injuries can completely end a career, and it's really unfortunate. And uh, with the other interesting, more positive stories, kind of hate to end on that negative. But we do talk about the best and worst picks. And did I mention the? <laughs> now that I say that, I'm like, wait. I didn't actually mention the best picks, did I? I just went right into the interesting stories and completely skipped over the, uh, the best picks. So just to pull those up here for the Indians in this round, the players that have made the big leagues, Ron Belnar, Belwar, who was taken in 69, a shortstop out of Mercer, uh, 81 games, negative war, Rich Thompson, a, uh, out of Amherst College, a right-handed pitcher in 1980, 2011 Stephen Tarpley. Uh, they failed to sign him that year. Out of Gilbert High School in Gilbert, Arizona, he has had 43 games in the big leagues. Corey Burns, who was like a senior sign in 2009, back before we had such things, $35,000 bonus, very small bonus. Out of University of Arizona, 27 games in the bigs. Joe Inglet, outfielder. Uh, 333 games in the bigs. I mean, utility guy. And then the top two, uh, and they're kind of interesting. Curtis Likancic and Steve Klein, because they're similar. Like these were reliever types who came up as potential starters. Likancic is part of that 1989 draft class, the greatest in Cleveland Indians history. Steve Klein was one of those guys who just kept moving up through the Indians minors and was never quite appreciated. Both traded for bats. Uh, Klein for, I want to say Milton Bradley I will double check that. Lacancic, I know was traded for Paul Sorrento. Uh, so for the Lekancic-Sorrento deal, it worked out. Lekancic was a very good reliever and uh, sometimes starter, but at the end of the day, uh, Sorrento was such an important part of those good Indians teams. Steve Klein, uh, that was a disaster of a trade. This team has struggled to develop lefties and the fact that, I'm sorry, no, he was the Jeff Juden The uh, for as much as he needs to get credit for the Bartolo clone deal, every trade before that or after that with the Montreal Expos was not great. And Klein uh, went on to have a long successful career as a reliever, uh, 11 years, 10 years after being traded out of Cleveland, uh, even got MVP votes in 2001. So not uh, not the best situation. But Lekancic technically has a higher war by 2.2 uh, to make him the top pick Again, Andrew Landrip is the worst. But the other fun fact, as I look at this very quickly before I end the show, Lekancek and Klein both taken with the 11th pick in the 8th round. More similarities with those two uh, draft selections taken four years apart. I've been Jeff Ellis. This has been the Lockdown Indians podcast. For the next year, maybe two.